The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. License and registration, please. Ma'am, you know why I pulled you over? I have a theory. Kids are jumping up and down. They should be sitting wearing their seatbelts. I yelled at them. They never listen to me. It's very frustrating. We're going to have to find a way to control them. After all, that's your job. Though he'd been a policeman for six years, Officer Hayes had never found himself in a truly dangerous situation. Then again, he had never before told a woman how to raise her children. You saying I'm a bad mother? Ma'am, you need to get back in your car, please. I have no help. My husband's always away on business. I'm going to have to ask you to step back now. My babysitter joined the witness relocation program. I haven't slept through the night in six years. And for you to stand there and judge me. Okay. I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm just going to let you off. Don't worry. I accept your apology. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, May 5th, 2011. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, gone color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. 519-661-3600 is always the number you can call to reach us on Just Right on CHRW every Thursday. And to, on today's show, boy, have we got a smorgasbord for you. Everything from the royal wedding to Osama bin Laden to a Harper majority to Obama's birth certificate. Is it real? That's what we're going to be talking about later on in the second half of the show. But first... In the first half of the show, we're going to be talking about a very sensitive issue, and we have a guest in our studio today joining us, and that is Ann Patterson of searches at simpatico.ca. Good morning, Ann. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on the program. Now, you're a former private investigator, researcher, advocate for proper oversight of children's aid societies, which is going to be part of our issue today. And... Um, you know, I know that for you, our subject and theme for today is both professional and a personal experience for you, right? It is. Um, and it's funny, when I see some of your postings online, I'm reminded of uh, someone else we had on the show. Remember um, Robert Cathy Shadle, Five Feet of Fury, <laughs> 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 whose choice of words and phrases like your... Uh, Baby broker bill, child trafficking, you know, you use terms like child trafficking, tyrants, family destruction, you know. <laughs> well, you got my attention, and I think that was the reason you use those words, right? Yes. Now, what you're trying to get our attention on is something called Bill 179, Ontario Bill. And it is called, I believe, Building Families and Supporting Youth to Be Successful Act. It's an act to amend the Child and Family Services Act, mm -hmm. respecting adoption and the provision of care and maintenance. Now, the Child and Family Services Act is a huge monster of an act, and this is just set to amend it. Mm -hmm. So why should we be... Well, is, is this not a great thing for kids and for parents? Well, on the surface of it, it, it looks like it is, but essentially what, what this bill will do is remove what they say access orders to uh, children and families 
And essentially what that means is that, say your child has been apprehended by the children's aid, mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes they, they apprehend children not necessarily because of abuse concerns, but because somebody has reported. They have to do an investigation, etc. Sometimes they return them, sometimes they don't. What this type of bill would do, or if this provision would do, is actually completely annul any contact that the mother, father, or grandparent could have with the child. Despite any previous arrangements or already existing orders of any sort, or just out of the blue? Well, despite despite basically uh, any type of access order, yes. Uh, in this in this act, uh, one of the things that it basically says that's very profound, mm -hmm. nothing in this act prohibits a society from planning for the adoption of a Crown Ward in respect of whom there is an access order in effect. And so, say you have a person where the child is in the care of the children's aid, you have a father, perhaps, and he is fighting with his lawyer to obtain custody back of his child. This provision would actually supersede any efforts even of a parent, a grandparent, or anyone that has access to the child. It basically gives children's aides and the state uh, a sweeping, sweeping power to over oversee that. And um, my worry is that people are not going to have an appropriate time period to even be able to fight these agencies. What is the status of the Act right at this moment? The status of the Act at this moment is second reading. And in fact, it, it's actually connected to another Act called Bill 183, and that is the Ombudsman's Oversight Act. Um, currently, actually, as we speak, there's such concern about both of these bills, one's good, one not so much, that there are numerous groups in Toronto as we speak, grandparents groups, fathers' rights groups, former fostered uh, adults, former adopted adults who had been through Children's Aids and supporters who are actually at Queen's Park today. Uh, Rosario Marchis is actually going to introduce uh, well, the second reading of the Ombudsman's Oversight Act, which is Bill 183, and at the same time, that particular group is also going to be having a rally actually against Bill 179 because they do not feel that children's aides have appropriate oversight. And with this particular act giving them even more power, it, it, people are extremely concerned. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the first reading of the Act passed unanimously with the support of all sides of the House. Is that correct? It is correct, yeah. So was there any hope for any opposition party like Kudak or anything like that for to get on uh, side with the opposition and with some uh, with your groups to see whether or not they can halt the passage of this bill without some proper input? Well, there's, there's a few things to be said with that. I know Mr. Hudak, and I was reading Hansard from yesterday's debate regarding this bill, Mr. Hudak has categorically ordered his party to support this bill, which I find extremely disturbing because this has severe implications for families. Children do not grow on trees. They have a mom and a dad. They have grandparents and relatives. And this is essentially talking about taking children away from their natural families and procuring them for adoption. It's very, very serious. It's very, very painful for families to lose their children. And as we've seen even from the Charles Smith victims, certainly <clears throat> there's a lot of situations where children actually shouldn't even be in the care of the children's aides to begin with. 
So as far as the the government, as far as Mr. Hudak, I'm, I'm really disappointed that they're not more aggressively pursuing this and asking some more probing questions. The NDP have actually been very, very good with this bill in the sense that, yes, they support certain aspects of it that they feel is beneficial to children. There's a whole other, other section of it that we're not concerned with. Um, they've been asking questions. They've been bringing things up. Um, Peter Cormos actually compared this particular section of this bill, 14, sorry, uh, 141.11, as yeah, being almost there. like something to negative billing with Rogers Cable in the sense that, <laughs> and, and I really give him credit for that. He's actually asking very, very pertinent questions because to fight such a monstrosity of an agency as Children's Aids in 30 days, and this is what this bill gives parents uh, a window of, again, is really, really serious. And I think that the NDP, with great respect, are asking some very, very pertinent questions, and I give them credit for that. Now, why would they want to fast-track something like this through, and why would the Conservatives and the Liberals be so in favour of it? Uh, I'm looking at their... Um justification of this. They have a backgrounder called giving more kids a place to call home. It sounds a lot different from your backgrounder, which is called uh, the Trojan horse of family <laughs> destruction. Yeah. And so obviously there's two different points of view here. Now, I noticed that in their highlights, the big thing is um, they want to increase the number of children growing up in permanent homes. And they're discussing uh, important changes to how uh, children's aid societies are funded, though it doesn't really say in their overview what that is. Um, in 2010, public adoptions increased by 21% over the year before. And then, of course, they tell you that research shows that children and youth have, in permanent care have significantly better outcomes. Uh, outcomes than who? Um, outcomes than kids in the Crown Ward? Or who are they talking about here? That's what I'm thinking they're talking about. But um, they don't say. And so, you know, we can look at this legislation, but how, how would this manifest itself possibly in someone's life down on the street? Because I know you've seen a lot of that. I know you've even lived some of it yourself. Well, I have. Um, I was myself uh, in foster care, and I was actually adopted from the Children's Aid. And uh, I can honestly say, I well, I almost reunited people, fostered adults and adopted adults for almost 20 years. And I can tell you, I did not see a great sea of forever safe, forever families and wonderful adoptions. Unfortunately, a lot of the things that have transpired with children's aids are more than questionable. To say the very least, there has been a lot of child abuse in both foster care and adoption. There has not even been home studies done in many cases. Worse, there have been children that have been sent to the United States and other countries. There have been grave problems. <clears throat> this particular legislation does not really include or address anyone that's actually been in the system, which I find very disturbing. They're not consulting with adopted adults to say what, well, basically to to uh, obtain what we think about this so that we could actually make it better. They're certainly not consulting any natural parents that have had their children taken, most mostly, uh, in my opinion, not really for good purposes and, in fact, not always because of abuse by any means. And they have certainly not even uh, contacted grandparents groups, fathers' rights groups. Um, as far as the average person on the street, the way I read this, this bill and the way I read the sweeping power that children's aides are going to have with this particular bill... My concern with 
this is that say a person is fighting uh, to obtain their child back out of children's aids maybe they had a neighbor that does not like them they have called the children's aid they have made false child abuse allegations against that parent which happens all the time um, it's not to say that there aren't some legitimate cases there are of course uh, but in a situation where, say, a person has been falsely accused of child abuse, my fear with this bill is before they're even going to be able to address it with their lawyer, that child can now actually been taken, be taken for adoption. My other concern with this bill, as far as what you were saying before, is that the stakeholders and the people who have done research, according to the government, with this bill... It's such a stacked deck. It's just unbelievable. It's infertility groups and it's people who wish to adopt that are now, you know, professing themselves to be experts. Well, with all due respect, the people who have already been adopted are the experts. And we have a lot to say to actually uh, help uh, children from experiencing some very, very negative situations, such as being placed into abusive homes, such as being uh, shipped out of the country there's, there's been very, very serious things that have happened with children's aids, and my fear is that unless somebody has a lawyer sleeping under their bed or 100K in their mattress, fighting them if they go ahead with rescinding an access order mm -hmm. is going to be very, very difficult for not just mothers and fathers, but grandparents. Grandparents are very, very concerned about this bill right now. Grandparents collective, well, not collectively, but many do not wish to see their, their grandchildren in the care of children's aids. Um, and why should they be? Children should not be in care of children's aid unless there is a very valid reason and, and real tangible child abuse not because people wish to adopt. What's the kind of timeline that somebody would be looking at from the point that an allegation, false or not, is made against them and their child is taken from them till the time that it clears the process so that they can hopefully get their child back if it hasn't already been adopted off somewhere? What's the timeline? Well, this is actually quite dubious with the bill, and it's another concern of mine. I really don't see a definite time period. What I see is the sweeping, you know, sentence, nothing in this act prohibits a society from planning for the adoption of a Crown Ward. So this, this could take years, perhaps? I think they actually what I think could happen is, um, particularly with younger children, because they want babies, they want younger children, potential adoptive parents, uh, Right now, there have been, in fact, parents that have been fighting children's aids for years. I actually have a few friends that received um, proper help from lawyers, and they were able to obtain their children back from the custody of the children's aid. It was false child abuse allegations, and yes, their kids were in that system for a few years, and they are now speaking out. Their concern with this bill is that it is such a fast track to adoption that they're not even going to have a leg to stand on to get their kids out, whether so they can, they're guilty or not. They could be taken when they're in elementary school, say seven or eight years old, and not even see them again until they're past high school. Is that correct? Absolutely, and it's happened before. Um, from false allegations? From false allegations. Um, there's a number of different things. In the 60s, and I was in foster care in the 60s and adopted in the 60s, children's aides often made sweeping errors and omissions. They were not telling parents of their legal rights. Parents were terribly uh, upset as you can imagine um, they were intimidated by them they didn't have proper legal advice and so they kind of went ahead and unfortunately what happened is and and I will call it this because I was I was in it 
they had what I would call a massive baby farm, and they had so many infants that they had taken children's aids that we were shipped from pillar to post like ping pong balls all over the province some of us were in eight to nine homes before the age of two years old which is utterly ridiculous it's not in a child's best interest whatsoever and they had so many kids uh that should not have been in care i guess my my fear with this is that they are going to reorchestrate something of this nature all over again, and it actually terrifies me as to the outcome. Well, let's talk about that a little more after our first break now, and when we come back, we'll be talking about uh, who's behind this uh, this whole new system of adoption and uh, confiscating kids almost. We're with Ann Patterson in studio today. 519-661-3600 is the number you can call if you want to join the conversation, and we'll be back right after this. We adopted a baby. Her name is Lily. Oh, exciting! Uh, just turn it off. I can't turn it off. It's who I am. The music. Oh, yes, the music. <laughs> Come say hi to Lily. Oh, let me see her. Let me see her. Lily? Oh. <laughs> Lily, isn't that going to be hard for her to say? drive away and leave them. I know, I was just trying to scare them into behaving. Did you see where they went? Yeah, 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 they're in my kitchen. Oh. Listen, uh, it seems to me that you have some anger management issues. I have four kids under the age of six. I absolutely have anger management issues. Yeah, well, I think you need to talk to somebody because abandoning your children... <gasps> I, I, I didn't abandon them, I came back. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's not normal. Well, my kids aren't normal, and now I don't have time for this lady, so... Boys, get out here! No, I don't think they should go anywhere until you calm down. Oh, get in the car. She's got cookies. Well, bring them. We're leaving. Oh, no, no, no. Stay quiet. Oh, I don't think so. Oh. Listen, lady, you and I are going to have a little talk. Leave me alone! Let go of me! What's the matter with you? Well, you wouldn't want anybody coming after you from social services, eh? <laughs> now, what's to stop this act? You know, let's say um, you're in your neighborhood and your your neighbor doesn't like your kids throwing balls over your fence or something like stupid as that or playing ball hockey out in front of the house. What's to stop a neighbor from calling Children's Aid, making a false allegation against somebody, which then the Children's Aid basically takes that complaint as real before investigating, before actually finding out. And that kid could be taken from the family for years, and the parents don't really have much of a leg to stand on, do they? No, they don't. And I know I know somebody had been commenting, for example, on Facebook, and they're saying, you know, you're fear-mongering, and 
In fact, I'm not fear-mongering. They've already done this, and we only need to look at the Aboriginal communities and the reserves that were absolutely wiped out and crucified by Children's Aids. What most people don't know um, is that they actually did the same thing, but the next target after them was unmarried parents in the 60s. -hmm. My parents were never child abusers, for example. They were simply unmarried, and the CIS came at them in that regard, right? They were unfit, et cetera, et cetera. It's very, very scary, in fact, Robert, because there's nothing to stop them. And I I believe, in fact, even the children's aides themselves, and um, I, I don't have the exact percentage, but I do believe it was somewhere of at least 48%, if not higher, that they're experiencing false child abuse allegations, which is really insidious. And unfortunately, sometimes you'll see this as well, particularly with uh, divorcing couples. There's a lot of problems going on with that. And I noticed with your reference to the Aboriginal situation that that's going to continue to be a problem under this new act because apparently um, they've worked out a deal with First Nations so that Aboriginal children and youth will remain in their communities and cannot be adopted outside of their communities. So they're kind of trapped in there. You know, it's, it's almost a racist policy in that sense. You can't adopt outside your own nationality or race or background, cultural background, hmm. at least with respect to that one group. And to be honest with you, I don't believe that that's going to happen because it didn't before. I want to know, uh, I mean, to me, it's just amazing that anyone could support a bill of this, just this absolute magnitude. To me, it's the equivalent of having the police arbitrarily round up anyone out in the street, arrest them, put them in jail, and you've got 30 days to appeal it, or you're done, right? Your goose is cooked, you're charged. We're talking about taking children away from their real, natural families. And uh, I, I actually, I'm quite, I'm quite afraid for Aboriginal groups, and I'm very afraid for reserves. Um, God help them if they're going to do what they did in the 60s again. I don't trust them, unfortunately. Are there, are there any groups out there who would stand to financially gain from this act huge absolutely huge they have what they have right now is they have working and supporting this bill the adoption council of ontario and they have an infertility expert panel that's what they they call themselves they're all affiliated with private adoption brokers the people who have a lot to gain from this are in fact private adoption brokers because if children's aides want to procure infants for adoption which i think they do they're going to be able to farm that work out for home studies to these private brokers who can get as much from 10 to 15k for doing alleged home studies. By by home studies you mean looking at someone's condition in their home and if they judge them to be quote unfit then they take the kids. Exactly. Exactly. Well actually no, No. uh, more for the prospective adoptive parents is where they come in. So they would... Like um, they're shopping? (laughs) Is that what you're saying? I would say that, I mean, they call themselves private practitioners. I'm sorry I call them baby brokers because that's what they're doing. Is is the Children's Aid Society, in your opinion, how can I put this, acting in its own interest or acting in the interest of parents or children or or the state or who? Who would you say the Children's Aid says? Whose side are they on when it comes right down to it from your experience? From my experience, their clients are certainly not children. From my experience, the... Children's aides are on the side of the state, and they're on the side of prospective adoptive parents. 
the state loved this years ago. One of the reasons that they did is they thought, wow, isn't this terrific? It's going to clear the welfare rolls. We'll just throw them into adoption and get all these people off of welfare. And, I mean, it sounds really simple, but to me, the the mess that this has caused has actually increased expenditures of the government a thousandfold over. Well, 53%. At the, at the beginning of the year, they were talking about Children's Aid Societies going bankrupt and they wouldn't last another week. And they were all the politicians were in town here, you mm. know, saying, oh, are we going to save them? Will they well, last another week? It looks as if they found a way to save well, them. And, and, Absolutely. And, and it seems that the big thing is terminating access orders. That almost seems to be the single focus of, the, the largest focus of this act is to, what, what is the purpose of that? What, you know, it kind of bothers me when I see that. Even a child adopted, um, do they have any kind of access at all, or is that something you want to have terminated? I don't know. I think the problem with this is that, yes, the access order absolutely bothers me too because we're talking about real human beings. We're talking about denying mum dad, grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, and a loving family, a natural family from their child. And terminating access orders is terminating human connections with children in their real families. Because the people backing this bill are infertility groups and adoption groups, it in fact worries me even more because the true stakeholders of this bill and the arrogance of the government to actually say that this bill is for prospective adoptive parents and adoptive parents is absolutely insidious, in my opinion. The real stakeholders that are going to be affected are the children. Now, the Children's Aid Societies in Ontario are private societies, correct? They are, in fact, and a lot of people don't understand um, how they work. I didn't even, and I had been through that system until my 20s. I had no idea. But they get think that they're funding in... from government. They receive yeah. funding from government. They're actually what they are is 53 um, private, non-profit corporations. They each have different bylaws. They each have a different board of directors. Um, I personally, I mean, I've seen so much in this system. There are certainly agencies that are far worse than others. And there has to be a few good ones, too, you would think, too? Or are they few and far between? I think that there are some good workers in some of these agencies, yes. I think that there are aspects that have changed a little bit for the better in a very, very slim way. But the system itself, I think, is so atrocious that it should actually be completely gutted and torn down. So right now, the Children's Aid Societies have been given special powers under these acts to come into people's homes um, under almost any pretext and take people's children away from them. Wouldn't a proper way to handle allegations of abuse be to call the police and have the police come in and investigate, and then when they find evidence you know, act on it, rather than have this private company who stands to financially gain from acts like this come in and, well, I mean, you have to, you have to question their motives, perhaps taking kids without any, without any evidence perpetuates a system which they financially benefit from. Is that a, a fair assessment, do you think? I would say that's more than a fair assessment. I would say that's exactly the children's aids in a nutshell because these agencies receive funding for every child in their care, which is also part of the problem. 
if the government were to say to the children's aid this is your this is your budget for the year you have x amount of dollars this is what you are required to do under a specific mandate that would be one thing but unfortunately because they do fund them per child captured i would say that it, it's very very difficult because it's it's giving them an incentive to apprehend now i know in all fairness there have been some better workers there have been some agencies who have really looked at this and they've said what are we doing um for instance i met some grandparents last year and the cas that they were dealing with i was just amazed they were actually great with them instead of just saying hey you know your son's abusive you're not going to see your grandchild for 80 years or more uh, they actually wanted to work with grandparents and provide proper kinship care services. They were actually doing what I think they should be instead of focusing on stranger adoption, instead of focusing on, well, Betty and Bob are infertile and they would like your baby. This is not this is not the focus. Um, I find this bill terrifying in the sense of who is backing this up. It's infertility groups. And I also find mm -hmm. it um, outrageous that the Ministry of Child and Youth Services is even studying infertility. Infertility should be in the Ministry of Health. Um, adoption is not a cure for infertility. It's not that I don't have any compassion for people who are infertile, but in my opinion, this bill is almost saying to them, you have a right to somebody else's child because you're gay. You have a right to somebody else's child because you're infertile. Mm -hmm. And don't you worry about that. We're going to find those kids for you. And it's hidden under the guise, which is why I called it a Trojan horse, hidden under the guise of we're going to find forever safe, forever families for 9,000 crown wards. It's not going to happen. What can people do about all this? Is there, are there, is there an umbrella group? I was just going to ask that same question. Are there any advocates for parents or children coming over the horizon right now to help address this issue, to look at it? Uh, there are numerous groups. Um, there is, well, Canada Court Watch has been trying to address numerous problems with children's aids, one of them being that social workers are not even properly registered. Uh, there is a group called Stop uh, Children's Aids from taking uh, children from good parents. There are just so many to actually list. I could actually produce, um, if, if you want me to in the future, a more comprehensive list. Well, I think uh, there's can brands. <clears throat> Yeah. Sure, I think that would be a great thing to do. Oh, Ann Patterson, i got to thank you for opening our eyes to a, yes, a situation here. I think we've got a can of worms here we're going to have to get into again later on in the future. So we'd like to welcome you. Thank you for being on the show today. And yes, uh, hopefully uh, more of us should learn about Bill 179 before the Ontario legislature right now. That's it for this half, and uh, thank you for coming along. And we have to move on, Robert, after... This break, what are we going to be talking about? Oh, a potpourri of politics that has happened in the last week. It's been a really eventful week, Busy and we're going to week. touch on a lot That's of it. That's for sure. Monumental events. We'll be yes. back right after this. Thank you. <laughs> Good thing we had Mom's gas card. Don't make me regret buying you that lighter, dude. Put it down. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Our parents are totally irresponsible, and I'm not just talking about us walking in on their little freak show earlier. Just let it go. No. We're lucky to be alive. How often do they let Luke go, go to school in shorts in the winter? And they let me ride in the front seat before I was 60 pounds. And they never shut the gate at the top of the stairs when we were babies. Do you know how many times you fell on your head? Do you? No. We get it. It was bad. But, you know, I, I guess it's better than having parents who fight all the time. Maybe. 
My friend Jacob's parents are getting divorced. He has to move out of his house. I told him last week. That sucks. He'll get used to it. Half of my friend's parents are divorced. Mine too. It's insane. So it's a good thing mom and dad still do sex. Better than mom leaving the stove on, which she's done twice this month. I just realized we haven't even gotten to the worst part of it yet. Which is? They're gonna want to talk about it. Maybe not. Are you kidding? Their parents never talked about anything, so they want to talk about everything. Yeah, they called a family meeting when we switched to 1% milk. William Arthur Philip Louis. I, William Arthur Philip Louis. Take thee, Catherine Elizabeth. Take thee, Catherine Elizabeth. To my wedded wife. To my wedded wife. To have and to hold from this day forward. To have and to hold from this day forward. For better, for worse. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. To love and to cherish. Till death us do part. Till death us do part. According to God's holy law. According to God's holy law. And thereto I give thee my troth. And thereto I give thee my troth. Good evening. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda, and a terrorist who's responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent men, women, and children. That's a little good. Thank you very much. And Beswari, what a great night. And friends, I have to say it. A strong, stable, national, majority, conservative government. And welcome back to CHRW 94.9 FM. You're listening to Just Right with uh, myself, Robert Vaughn, and Bob Metz here. And you can give us a call at 519-661-3600 if you have anything you'd like to contribute to the show today. And this last half hour, we're going to be talking about all of the events that has happened in the last week. It's been a momentous week as far as news goes. If you, I haven't only seen been a this week? in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we started off with the royal wedding, of course, of Princess uh, Prince William and you know, uh, you know, Kate I remember Middleton. Us, I remember walking out of the studio last week and we said, what are we going to do to talk about next week? <laughs> and then we ended up with more subjects. Yeah, we yeah, news turned on the radio. And, of course, then we had um, the release of Obama's birth certificate to placate the the so-called birthers out there, and we had uh, the election federally with quite an upset and um, some historic moments there. And, of course, the death of Osama bin Laden, which um, caused a lot of people to celebrate in the United States and elsewhere. But uh, to start off, Bob, I'd just mm -hmm. like to touch on, if I could, the, uh, the royal wedding. Now, we've already established on this program here with you and I an agreement that the monarchy as an institution in Canada, is an important... Um, a constitutional an important, monarchy. Yeah. A constitutional monarchy has an important role to play for a stable, peaceful uh, society. It's, a, it's an element that we, we uh, enjoy and that we, we need 
and um, has been very useful over the past over the past several hundreds of years, as a matter of fact, and yeah, it's, it's an evolved. Issue. It's an issue we've taken a close look at on this show. And, yes. Uh, found myself in the public arena this week talking about this thing, too. Yes, right. <laughs> and uh, people wanting to abandon our whole parliamentary system, in fact, in favor of majority ruralism. You know, and just, it's more or less because they're, about. they're somewhat ignorant of what our parliamentary system is all about, while the monarchy has actually protected our rights in a lot of ways that people aren't even aware of or even think about on a daily basis. So then why, if that's the case, why would I see a lot of my friends putting down the royal wedding with Princess William and Kate Middleton as a complete waste of money, not worth watching, an ostentatious display of privilege, etc., and and basically saying that they really dislike events like this. What's your take on it, Bob? What did you think of the wedding itself? Did <laughs> I think, you see it? I think I'm in that camp you're talking okay, about. Well, maybe we can talk about uh, that. I don't have anything against the monarchy, as you know, but the, the royal family has not really interested me as such, as a tourist attraction that it is. Um, I understand its symbolic function. I understand why these people exist, what the, you know, the lineage that came down and what it means to our society today. And I accept that and I appreciate that. And I wouldn't want to see it end. But mm-hmm. am I going to sit down for an afternoon and watch a parade? No. You know, that's all it is to me. That's all. But I do appreciate I the monarchy. I understand I, that. But I'm, I'm not in that camp that would say, oh, I think they shouldn't be doing it. I just, maybe I just don't have enough time lately. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I understand exactly where you're coming from, and there's a bit of that in me too. However, I have, I have to think that opposition to a royal wedding and the pomp and circumstance surrounding it, um, but liking the monarchy, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, I like the monarchy, but do we have to have all these monarchs? You know, it's contradictory in a a way. The two are inseparable. If you're going to have a constitutional monarchy, you're going to have royal weddings. You're going to have a royalty. There's no doubt about it. Now, how things get paid for, how things are handled, that's a separate issue, I think. And by the way, the monarchy is far more self-sufficient than most people understand. It's true. And it even pays taxes. Yes. um, And a lot of the money that was gone into this wedding was in direct relation to the security threat yeah. of late of all of the the usually left-wing or Islamist elements in British society especially, which um, are very volatile, very violent, and who would have no qualms whatsoever of disrupting such a, well, a joyous occasion like mm. the royal wedding. So you have to spend a lot of money making sure stuff like that doesn't happen. Um, so that's all I have to say about the monarch or the um, the royal wedding. I enjoyed it. I actually looked at a number of different TV programs on it: uh, mm-hmm. Sky TV, IT, ITV, and um, BBC, and CNN. So I I saw a lot You're of a real it. fan. Oh well, <laughs> not a fan as such. I was looking more as how are news stations covering this, just to get a different perspective. And it was a it was a, it was a good occasion to see a billion people watching a momentous no doubt yeah it was a momentous um, it sort of like demarcates a point in history that we can all rally around and i enjoyed it on to the federal election rick mercer was in town there last week and he was talking (laughs) about a vote mob what do you have to say about that about vote mob well it was um i guess he got his mob the conservatives got a majority (laughs) Uh, i saw a crowd at the uh, you know everybody was talking like the um the votes were down and the number of people voting had dropped i don't think that's actually i didn't feel that not in my neighborhood um well the voter turnout was 61 point uh, what percent 61.9 i forget i have the data here but somewhere well, the booth or the booth, the, po- the polling station that I had to go to was just packed. I mean, you, was could, you couldn't even find parking. Sixty-one point four percent. 
And when I saw the crowds and I saw the average age of the people going in, I said, ah, Harper majority. (laughs) (laughs) Because for all their screaming of getting the youth out, I didn't see many youth there. No, I didn't see. It was all gray hair going yes, into the voting booth, Yes, and that's what it? I thought was kind of ironic. The youth went out to the park, the gray hairs went to the, <laughs> to the, bo- to the booth, right? Exactly. The voting booth. So I, have to, I had to laugh at the vote mob type of mentality. I understand where they're coming from. They want people to be engaged in society and to take uh, pride in the fact that we live in a democracy where you can vote. I understand that. But to use the word mob and democracy and voting... That means mob thoughtful. rule to me. Yeah, that's exactly how it comes across. <laughs> Come too. up with a different name, Rick Mercer, because vote mob, it just doesn't go over well with me, sorry. And, and, and the irony in it, too, is when they push these things, you know, we're pushing for change, pushing for change, and yet Mercer would say at the same time that that if you get more youth to vote, you'll get a change, but youth vote no differently than adults. Correct. Right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, where's the change coming from? And of course they can't vote differently than adults because they have the same three choices. Yes. <laughs> socialism, socialism, yeah. socialism. So, they're gonna, so, so what was the whole exercise about? You know, like what was its ultimate function? It wasn't a part of actually... it, I think, is has to do with the fact that we've gone under 60% in a voter turnout. And the powers that be are starting to think that, my God, if we start to be like the United States and actually have less than 50% come out to federal elections or national elections, the people in power are going to lose their tacit legitimacy as rulers. Sure. And that's why I think that they're afraid of. They are have a vested interest in making sure that the state, as a, as a ruling governing authority, has... Maintains leg- some sort of legitimacy. legitimacy. Which is why exactly. even the Soviet Union forced its citizens to go vote in elections. Correct. Yes. And Australia as <laughs> and well. called a democracy. Yes. Yeah, these yeah. are countries that don't have a right to vote. Now, another thing I wanted to say about the election, Bob, was that the NDP so-called Orange Crush, I don't know if many people out there are actually looking at it in the perspective that I am, and that is that this is not an Orange Crush in the sense that the NDP has taken over um, the minds and hearts of Canadians. They've taken over the minds and hearts and self-interest of Quebecers. Period. That's it. They gained, what, 50 seven seats in Mm -hmm. Quebec. The majority of the NDP caucus are Quebecers. And not only just Quebecers, but Quebecers who used to vote bloc. So what they see in the NDP is a way to... The new bloc. Is is another bloc. It's Mm -hmm. an orange bloc. And that's probably what they should be called. Not the orange crush, but the orange bloc. Because right now, the NDP in official opposition will be pushing the Quebec agenda. That's now their motivation. That's their raison d'etre. That's why they're in opposition, because the majority of them are from Quebec. Interesting turn of events there. And I don't think that it's fair to say that the rest of Canada enjoy the NDP. They, they don't even have seats, for example, in uh, uh, Saskatchewan. No seats. They can't even be called a national party in that sense. They got wow. one seat in uh, Alberta. You know, They've got 12 in B.C. They've got two in Manitoba. One in uh, the territories and only six in Atlantic Canada. 58 seats in Quebec. It's a Quebec party. That's all it is. So that's another interesting turn of events there. But maybe preferable to the old bloc. And and what was amazing was to see Ignatieff and Doucette both uh, not make their seats. Yes. In the election, not even <laughs> not even win their seats. In oh, their I was own, so pleased in the in election to see writings. a number of people fall. I mean, I think that was a pleasurable thing to see, actually, to see some of these... Uh, um, Watch out for that people. Elizabeth May, though. 
She was on so, CBC today, yeah. as a matter of fact, and uh, it's very hard to listen to her to tell you the truth. Uh, talk about a self-serving politician. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid I really don't have a lot of respect for Elizabeth I don't know May. how anybody can even look her way. I just don't yeah. understand it. But. Yeah, she was on CBC today saying, well, we can't even call the block a party anymore. And here she is, just one seat, wanting to be recognized as a party. <laughs> well, but she's right, though. The block is not an officially recognized party now. And you know what that means? No block at the leadership debate next time. Wouldn't that be nice? That'll be a change. Yeah. Now, the last thing that we want to talk about just before we hit into the break is uh, bin Laden and the death of bin Laden. Very interesting turn of events there, and especially since Obama doesn't want to release the picture that um, the task force that, that killed him took to uh, actually well, Apparently prove. some pictures got out this morning, I heard. No, no, no I've seen some pictures yeah. on Facebook and on the Internet, but they were doctored. CBS, though, television and uh, stuff. Really? No, I, I just heard know. some reports. I don't know if they're Oh, no, there were not. some pictures, yeah. Reuters, I think, took some, uh, had some pictures uh, of people around the compound that took some pictures of the downed helicopter of mm. some bodies and that, but not Bin Laden's body, not but that particular one. So, yeah, there are some pictures out there, but not of Bin Laden. And I'm, I'm asking myself the question, why? We saw Ceausescu and his wife, killed. We saw Mussolini hung. We saw um, the Iraqi leader. What was his name? Saddam Hussein. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. We saw him hanged. We saw Stalin's corpse. We saw Mao's corpse. Of course, those were in, um, uh, to be exalted by the Soviets and the Chinese. But still, we saw proof. If Hitler, if all of a sudden there was photographic evidence of Hitler's body outside his bunker, you know, being, uh, you know, dead, do you think that we should have a right to see that? No way, that would offend the German people. Oh, of course, it would offend them. <laughs> you know? No. That really riles me, the fact that they think that they shouldn't release this picture because it's going to offend the Islamists. Well, I have news for you, Mr. Obama. That, that's the source of the you problem. Only, you only have to breathe <laughs> to offend the Islamists. If they want to be offended, they will be. You know? And on that point, <laughs> we're going to take a little break here and come back with some other issue, and that is... Mr. Obama's birth certificate. We'll be back right after this. We provided additional information today about uh, the site of my birth. Now, this issue has been going on for two, two and a half years now. I think it started during the campaign. And my friends, it is the 27th of April, 2011. And as the headline reads, uh, the newest Obama birth certificate that's been released by the White House has been altered in literally dozens of ways, and it's been altered in ways that are so obvious that it makes the head spin. This had to have been done on purpose to accelerate that it makes the head spin. This had to have been done on purpose to accelerate this to debate. The White House obviously wants to make everything about the birth certificate and was he really from Hawaii or Kenya instead of his record of more wars, torture, bailing out banks, signing statements and lobbyists. There's no way they are this stupid. Uh, if they are this hubris-filled and arrogant and crazy and have put out the document that we're about to show you, then we're in even more trouble in a way, shop experts, including people who have degree ploy. Because if they are crazy enough to put this out, knowing that there are millions of people that are Photoshop experts, including people who have degrees in it, like my sister who has a degree in photography, and two people we have on staff that are Photoshop experts. They've all looked at it 
it is mind-blowing. That's only the tip of the iceberg. That's what got the Photoshop community's attention online. There are thousands of sites right now going crazy, mainline ones saying this is obviously fake. On purpose. This is a horrible fake forgery on purpose. Understand, someone who has no understanding of how to research forgeries would see this immediately. And this is not just the fact that it's in layers and been altered. It's all fake and the numbers don't even match and all this stuff's been added. Our government is insane. I mean, what is this? What is the point? It looks like a joke to me. This is definitely a joke. I mean, I, I can't A joke believe... on us. So, yeah. so the elite have gone completely insane. It's like Marie Antoinette saying, let them eat cake because they're starving to death before the French Revolution. Right. Or Nero burning Rome for fun. I am 100% convinced that the birth certificate long form of Barack Obama that the White House released today is in fact an altered document. There's no question about it. And I'm going to download it directly from the whitehouse.gov site before they change it. Look at all of these grouped layers. All right? Now, what that means is, for those of you who don't understand web development, when you build a document, you build it in layers. This is a built document. No question about it. And welcome back to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. And we just left off on the topic of the death of Osama bin Laden. And actually, I w there was one other thing I wanted to uh, deal with that before we get into the birth certificate conspiracy. And that is that there are now conspiracies, theories, about the death of Osama bin Laden. And um, some of our friends, Bob, were saying one theory. What you, you want to talk about that? Of uh, bin Laden? Uh, the I'm death sorry. of bin Laden, yeah. Well, some people believe he was killed earlier. Yeah. Um, not so long after 9-11 and that the United States is just releasing the information now. As a, as a, a motivation to perpetuate their invasion of other countries well, and the war to, machine. To have admitted that they caught him quite early would not have allowed the United States to carry on with its missions under, mm -hmm. the, under the purpose of saying they're looking for him, yeah. right? So if you catch the uh, criminal too early... <laughs> yeah, I understand. You know, so uh, how do you justify your mission that you plan to carry on in any case? Now, that's the conspiracy theory, if you want to yeah, look at it that it? way. I, I don't care. I've told you that before. <laughs> I, I would believe anything right now because... Yeah. When there's a war on, I don't believe that you're really getting facts. Already, the, even the story of the capture as it was in Pakistan has changed about four times since I heard it. Mm -hmm. Details of it, you know. Uh, minor details, actually. Uh, some didn't sound that minor. Well, that he had a depends. weapon in his hand or that well, he was hiding behind his wife, that kind of all thing. all the changes minor. until I hear the final story, and uh, that'll be maybe 20, 30 years from now. Perhaps, yeah. Because I don't even think we've heard the final story on Kennedy yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to tell you so, the truth, I don't believe that conspiracy theory. I think okay. that they got Bin Laden the, uh, the other day, and um, I'm not buying any conspiracy theory on that. But it, it brings up the question, conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories. Now, Jonathan Kay of the National Post is coming out with a book next week on conspiracy theories and why we have them and what motivates people to have conspiracy theories. But one that came into the news just of late is, of course, the uh, the birther, um, birth, certificate. birth certificate and the birthers, as they ca are called, people who have, in my mind, a somewhat legitimate uh, concern that the Constitution of the United States was not followed when Osama bin Laden took the reins in the White House, because according to um, the Constitution, I'm going to quote here from 
the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, and the executive branch. Quote, no person except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution shall be eligible to the office of the president. Neither shall any person be eligible to that office who shall not have attained the age of 35 years and been 14 years a resident within the United States. Now, that's in the Constitution. There's no question about it that you have to be a natural-born citizen to be the president. Now, that you know, begs I know about the question. That, but I didn't know about the 35-year mm-hmm. age minimum. That's a new one to me. Yeah, I, I guess no NDP could be a president. <laughs> 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 the United States, I think the median yeah, keep, age is probably about keep kids out of 20. government. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. What what's a natural born citizen? Now the birthers are saying that a natural born citizen, according to the to actually jurisprudence uh, historical record, is that um, you have to have been born not only in the United States but to United States citizens as well. So there's two issues there. First of all, Barack Obama's father was not a United States citizen, from what I can understand. He was a Kenyan. And, in, and as being a Kenyan back in that day, he was a British subject because Kenya, of course, was British, part of a British empire. So mm-hmm. he was a British subject. So he's already not, uh, not fulfilled that aspect of the Constitution. But whether he was born in Hawaii or wherever, Mombasa, I don't really care. He's the president. You're not going to get rid of him. This is just basically an interesting play. But the- what if it turns out that uh, he, he wasn't born proper in the United States, and they find that out later. Well, I guess it's up to the Supreme Court of the Would United States to Would that have set a precedent for Arnold Schwarzenegger to run for president? Well, one wonders, <laughs> eh? Because, you know, that's the only office that you do have to be born in the States to run for yes. in the States. Every other office you don't have to be. Correct. Yes. That begs the question. But, you know, something came out just last week, and that was Barack Obama in his Uber saying, okay, I'm going to put it to rest. Here's my birth certificate. But what he actually put up on the White House... Um, blog, and I actually went there, got the file myself right from the White House, put it into Adobe Illustrator, and sure enough, it is just like the clip you just heard Alex Jones saying that um, it's layered, it's built, it's altered, it's you, not even real. You could literally see oh, the took layers it apart. yourself, and you could oh, take, yeah. take it apart yourself. Did it myself, no problem. Got, Anybody can do it. And you got it straight from the White House. I got it right from the White website. House. I went to the White House website myself. Uh, took the file, the PDF file, put it into Adobe Illustrator, and all of a sudden, oh my God, these are all these layers. Have they taken it down yet? No. I, I just did this the other day. I'll tell you. <laughs> and, and, and it's just like Alex Jones said, why would any government in the right mind do this? And he had no other uh, um, answer to it other than to say, our government is insane. And you know something? I have to agree with him. I think that the Obama administration is sane, but the hubris to be able to put something like that up there now, I well, don't well, know they, if there's they, a they, rational they, reason for it. I really don't know. Somebody <laughs> says that when they scan these documents or whatever, if they have optical character recognition on, it tries to make layers and all that, but that does not explain the alterations that I saw and that are explained on some of these uh, shows like Alex Jones. Um, anti-aliased characters versus characters that were obviously written in by computer. Uh, things of that nature. It's like, what's going on here? Why, why don't we trust... Our, our leaders anymore. Why do we have these conspiracy theories, you know? Um, well, isn't that a pretty good reason right there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after if, I if, so. if the president of the United States can do that to his own citizens, and if, if it is as fake a thing as it is, how can you believe anything he says? That's true, and that's why people are, are, are questioning. Listen, it started off well in my lifetime with the Zabruder film. People thought that was altered. 
There was um, the moon landings. People think we didn't land on the moon. Yeah, we went through blah, all blah, those, blah. But... Conspiracy after conspiracy. Roswell. You name it. I mean, there's always people who believe that the government is always hiding something, and you know, something sometimes for good reason. Uh, sometimes the, the military do have to hide things for national security sure. reasons. You know, that makes sense. But uh, Jonathan Kay on the radio this morning was talking about uh, conspiracies, and he's basically saying that. The um, the amount of conspiracies people have is in direct proportion to the totalitarian, totalitarian nature of the country they live in. And if that's the case, I think we're approaching complete totalitarianism <laughs> because there's a lot of conspiracies out there. Every time you turn around, there's conspiracy theories. So and that's an interesting theory in and of itself. <laughs> now, let's, while not all these conspiracy theories, of course, are true, it's true in my estimation that many people do not trust their leaders implicitly. And today, more than ever, this skepticism, I think, is actually, it's healthy, Bob, and should be encouraged. I, I encourage people to go out there and take things apart, put them into Photoshop and see if they work. You know, our leaders are not... Improve them. <laughs> <laughs> improve them, yeah. Add get your that, own get information. Get that constitution in your Photoshop yeah. and put it back up online. And... You know, these people <laughs> that we have in power right now are not the same class of men who framed the U.S. Constitution or formed our own confederation. They are, as a group... And with rare exception, I think, contemptible and corrupt people who, um, people per se, I suppose, um, whose sole purpose of being in office is to see how much they can financially rape the public and exercise their will over their subjects. Gone are the days of a Thomas Jefferson, a Patrick Henry, or even in Canada, William Lyon Mackenzie, people who are willing to fight for their rights, fight for the rights of people over the state. Gone, those days. Are, what do we have today? George W. Bush, Barack Hussein Obama, Stephen Harper, and a Jack Layton. We're doomed, Bob. Doomed, well, I tell you. <laughs> it's always up to the people to take the power back into their own hands. Isn't that it? is true, too. It's up to us. I guess that's what we've got to do now because we're done for another week. So we've got to get out of here and... It invite you to join us again next week when we continue our journey in the right direction. You know what to do. Be right, act right, do right, and be right back here next week. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Yes, I am a new mother. Yay for me. Okay, thank you. It's wonderful. I didn't have any pain during the delivery. I didn't have no stretch marks, no trouble losing the weight. <laughs> well, I adopted. I still got an epidural.